Welcome to the Roadmap to One Million podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Zeal, and if you're looking for the high-level strategies and stories behind building a seven-figure product brand, then you're in the right place. On this show, we'll uncover the advanced strategies, stories, and secrets that you need to know in order to take your e-commerce brand to the next level. Are you ready to uncover your Roadmap to One Million? Let's dive in. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Roadmap to One Million podcast. My name is Stacy, and I am super excited to talk today, y'all. We have our first guest episode today, y'all. So this is going to be awesome. We are going to talk about brand voice if you have guessed from the title. And if you're a little unsure about what brand voice is, if you're a little unsure about whether that applies to you, you definitely want to make sure you listen because we're going to talk about all those things. But before we jump in, I want to make sure y'all have subscribed to the show. Make sure you follow it on your podcast app of choice. Make sure you share it with a friend um, because we. my goal for this year, y'all, my goal for 2023 is to give y'all all the information that you need to really take things that you're doing to the next level. And so I'm bringing on guest experts such as such as Sandra Kay, who are going to talk about things that you might not necessarily hear people talking a whole lot about, but it's so, so important, so impactful. So I am super excited because Sandra Kay is a brand voice strategist that also used to be a former park ranger and is writing her first children's book. So I'm super excited about these dynamic guests. So welcome to this. Welcome to this uh, to the show, Sandy. How are you? Thank you. I am wonderful today. How are you, Stacy? I'm good. I'm super excited. As I mentioned, like I all, I feel like I always say I'm super excited on my podcast, but but it's because I really am. Because like I when I get to recording, especially if I have a guest that like you that is going to talk about something that I think is just such an important topic for our brands out there to to learn about. It's something that is just something that is not talked about. Like. I, the goal of this show when I started it was really to be able to unveil some of the secrets and some of the strategies that people who are just starting out or people who have, you know, who have not worked behind a brand like a Zappos or these, some of these big brands that you just wouldn't know. And because I worked in that kind of environment where you have a lot of moving pieces, you have a lot of moving, a lot of players that are working on the marketing team or that are working to, you know, advance the brand that how do you keep it that voice? How do you make sure that, that you have that consistent voice? So we're going to talk about all that. But before we jump jump into that, I would love for you to give us a little bit about your journey. Let's talk about how you've gone from park ranger, which I think is freaking fantastic. And that's awesome. From park ranger to brand voice strategist. Yeah, it's quite an unusual journey. That's for sure. Uh, most park ranger, most people do it the opposite way, right? Like they start in something and say, oh, I, but I've always wanted to be a park ranger. And then they eventually move into their dream job. And uh, mine was a little bit of an, uh, a flip, flip journey. Um, yeah. So I went to school for biology. Um, I got my master's degree in communications, all for this big grand idea of being a park ranger for my entire career. Um, it was something that was embedded in me as a kid in high school. I kind of pretty much always knew what I wanted to do from maybe ninth grade on and um, got into some really cool programs and eventually found my way into the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service as a park ranger. So really set myself up there with a fantastic career, got to see some wonderful things, of course, got some really you know, wonky stories <laughs> from Florida Panthers to manatees to uh, anything in between. But um, yeah, about, um, let's see, it was, would have been in 2009, I had my first kid and um, his name is Preston and he um, just loved coming with me. Uh, he would help me in the visitor center. He'd do tours with me. I mean, he was 
just so much fun to have along on the journey of, of my career. And I just kept thinking like, this is so awesome. I'm going to be like that mom, that cool mom, right. That, you know, has our kids out tromping around in the woods and, um, you know, doing these cool things for conservation. My second child, also a boy, Jack, um, was born in 2013, but unfortunately he was born with a rare spine disorder. And, um, so it was decided after, you know, some heartache for me to leave my career so that I could take care of all of his needs. He had a lot of needs, complex surgeries for a number of years. Um, and I always say it was the easiest decision. It was the hardest decision at the same time to leave that career. Um, it was what I had grown up wanting to do. So, you know, when I talk to, to anybody about whether it's copywriting or brand voice or writing your own business, um, the more skills you have, the better. I'm also one of those people that likes to promote, like, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Because <laughs> there was definitely a lot of um, personal journey for me in accepting that I was no longer going to be a park ranger, that part of my identity. And so as I kind of looked out of the uh, the black hole I'd gotten myself into for taking care of Jack, um, I looked around and went like, okay, so park ranger isn't possible anymore. But look at all these skills that I had as a park ranger, right? I've got public speaking, I've got PR, I've got writing skills. Um, I can do planning. I can do um, a lot of community work. I mean, uh, uh, most of my job was actually pulling together partnerships and um, bringing in funding, even though I wasn't allowed to bring in funding myself personally as a federal employee, there was a lot of involvement in bringing groups together for funding for projects that we had. I got to work with lots of really cool organizations, um, NASA to be one, um, and uh, you know, got to do some really neat things with nonprofits and um, community organizations. And so as I was kind of looking around at like, what's the second part of my life here? Um, something that I can do on my own time, something that is flexible with all these doctor's appointments, something that gives me a little bit of purpose that um, I feel like I'm still contributing to the world. And so I just started copywriting, to be honest. I actually started as a VA. I started doing um, VA work for a couple of years. And that was easy work to do at doctor's appointments, at hospitals, and, you know, surgery waiting rooms, <laughs> right? Like, it's just, you know, a whole bunch of easy tasks you can check off the box in 15 minutes. And that supported me for quite a while. I was very thankful for the businesses I worked with um, there in those first couple of years because they were so patient and wonderful with me and giving me things that I could do. And from there, it was just like, copywriting just kind of, I just wanted to write. I wanted to speak. I wanted to be with people again, even if it was remotely. And so copywriting kind of became my thing. And that eventually ended up leading into brand voice. Um, and that, that's a whole nother story for why I picked that, but that's kind of the general backstory. Yeah. I love that. I love hearing other entrepreneurs journeys because I have a similar um, journey in the sense of finding different things to pivot into and figuring out like you're starting with one thing and then you're like, okay, well now I need to pivot for whatever reason, or I need to change or whether it's, you know, personal, whether it's family, whatever it is. Um, I've had a, so many pivots in my career. And I always tell people that, you know, all of the skills that you acquire over your journey all add up. Right. Like when mm -hmm. I, you know, I've been in marketing for 11 years. And so I have all those marketing skills. But then, like, I was a makeup artist, you know, at one point, and I really learned how to do my face, how to do other people's faces, and then realized I didn't really want to do this anymore. I didn't like to be that close to people, um, like physically. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
I didn't want to do that. And so I always thought I, I, I had started to think like, oh, like, you know, I wasted time doing this because I had done that for a couple of years. But now it's like, if I need to go on stage, if I need to come, mm-hmm. you know, be on a presentation, if I need to do something, I always know that I'll make sure my makeup is going to look great, right? Whether yes. I'm on camera, I can change it for if I'm on camera, I can change it for if I'm in, you know, out in public and, you know, those kinds of things. And so I always like to tell people like, follow your curiosities because that's, yes. you know, sounds like it's similar, like got to your journey. You're like, you started out with copywriting, you know, got into your park ranger, acquired all of those skills and then moved that into something completely um, different um, that built upon, you know, that you've built upon what your business is built upon now. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I love that, that whole journey. Hey, are you doing all the things when you'd rather be CEOing? What if instead of doing the, all the things like figuring out the marketing strategy and leading the team, you could free up your time to focus on other areas of your business that really need your attention? That's possible when you work with my team at Stacey Zealand Co. We are strategic marketing partners for e-commerce brands that want to take their sales and impact to the next level. Ready to stop playing small and do what it takes to become a big-ass impactful brand? Head over to RoadmapTo1Million.com to book a call with me. Don't wait. Now. Right now is your time. Head over to RoadmapTo1Million.com to book a call with me. I look forward to helping you get to your next level. And so let's talk about, you know, we've been mentioning brand voice. I want to make sure that our entrepreneurs out there understand exactly what we're talking about because we know what we're talking about and we can geek out on it. But let's start with, what is brand voice and why is it important for CEOs, our CEOs out there to think about for 2023? So yes, brand voice is one of those things that everyone thinks they know, um, but they it, it's really just kind of like a surface knowledge. And so the way I like to start out the conversation is by actually um, getting into um, books, characters. And this is really how I started with my brand voice journey. Um, if you think about characters, whether it's in books or in TV shows or movies, cartoons, uh, any of that kind of stuff, each of them has a voice and each of us has a voice. And brand voice isn't entirely different from that. But for some reason, it's been um, concisely drawn down to just like tone. And like brand voice is all about tone. And if you told a person that, it it's not just about the tone of voice you're using. It's how fast you talk or write. It's the cadence, the rhythm of how you do it. Um, You know, Ross on Friends just made it famous. So did Chandler, right? Like, you know, those different emphasis on words that they put. And um, all of that leads into what makes up a voice as well as background and character, personality, all that kind of stuff. And so it's not as drilled down as people like to think um, it is in the business world. It is still pretty complicated. Um, So the way I like to think about it is tone is definitely a big part of it. So tone is the the feelings of um, the person or the brand. So if you talk about the tone of a company, that's not just one word. It's not just five words even. It depends a little bit on the circumstance. It depends on where they are in their journey as a company. Are they, you know, new? Have they been around for 100 years? the emotions that that brand evokes is the tone. And 
I don't like to just bring that down to, you know, three tone words and, uh, you know, a couple of phrases, which is in a lot of branding guides, um, because it, it definitely changes something like the pandemic, you know, really brought that forward. Companies had no idea how to react to that. Um, and so we need to make sure that we have a documentation of what our tone is during times of crisis, also in times of celebration, right? When there's something really cool going on in the world or in your company. Um, but obviously brand voice is a lot more than that. It's also the rhythm, the cadence of how you write and how you sound. And so what I like to um, direct people to in this instance is on social media, especially, uh, it kind of became a thing on Facebook, but you see it everywhere now. When some When somebody writes out and they have one sentence per line, and then there's a line break, and then there's another sentence and a line break. And it makes for, it became popular a few years ago during the pandemic, especially, and it makes for a very long post. It's broken up. It's very short rhythm. Other people will write in paragraphs, like we learned in junior high and high school, right? Like, you know, a paragraph has to have a beginning, the middle, and an end. Um, and they'll have long, flowy sentences. They'll use lots of commas, maybe. They'll use lots of parenthetical asides, which is what I do. I am a lover of parenthetical asides, which is, you know, you put things in parentheses to further explain your point. Mm-hmm. Um, so my sentences tend to be pretty long, have a lot of parentheses in them. I use a lot of commas. And then sometimes I'll break it up with like a short sentence in between. Um, and then the last part of voice, besides tone, and cadence is vocabulary. And this is the words that you use, is the complexity of the words that you use as well. We like to refer to it as grade level. So, you know, a lot of times you'll see, especially if you use Grammarly, when you're writing in Google Docs or in Microsoft Word or something, and you use Grammarly, it might tell you that you're writing at a grade three or grade 10. And everybody always says, write at a grade four, try and aim for a grade four. That's great if your audience is at a grade four. Mm -hmm. And if you were at a grade four, But I'm telling you, if you're a cancer researcher and you're talking to other cancer researchers, you do not want to talk at a grade four, right? (laughs) Right? You'll just, you'll be shunned. Is it like, oh, that person doesn't know what she's talking about. Um, So your vocabulary, the complexity, the length of the words and what your audience does and doesn't know that you have to explain within your sentences, as well as your jargon, your industry jargon, your personal jargon, abbreviations that are common. Um, all those kinds of things inform your voice and how you sound. I love that explanation because it really gives us an idea of like that one, your brand voice is more complex than you think it is. And the reason I think that it is so important is for you know for CEOs out there, one of the things that I have been talking about on the podcast um, recently is finding ways to remove yourself from having to be the center of your business or being the center of your marketing. And I think one of the great ways that you can do that is by equipping your team with the necessary um, you know brand voice guidelines that they need to be able to either write captions for you on your social media pages. Um, write blog posts for you if you go that route um, or, you know, being able to just have someone do more, do more of the content creation because we know how much, how important content creation is and all that. But you also want to make sure that your brand is aligned, that the voice sounds the same, that regardless of whether like, you know, for example, for me, I have my assistant writes my show notes. 
Um, right. And so like, if she writes the show notes, we need to make sure that we sound similar. Cause I talk very fast. <laughs> um, I also, you know, very like, so I can see like when you were talking about like your jargon or, or the vocabulary that you use, the tone, the rhythm, or like the cadence, like how fast all that stuff definitely matters, especially if you as a CEO, like if your brand is kind of being built around you, because our, all of our brands have a piece of us in it, right? Like, you know, and, and all that, but if you're thinking about scalability and you're thinking about adding more people to your team, you're thinking about either having an agency that may come in and handle some stuff for you, you're thinking about your Facebook ad copy, all that kind of stuff, all the all the different places that you need copy, if that's not your strong suit or it's the, even if it is your strong suit, but it's a place that you don't want to necessarily be the bottleneck for because you have so many other things going on, I think that's one of the you know great things about having a brand voice um, guideline. Yes. So, and I don't know how many times I've heard somebody, you know, tell me um, that they hired somebody to write their emails, for example, and um, then they'll get like a phone call or a text message from a friend and say, oh, I read this week's newsletter. Um, you must have a new writer. And like, <laughs> that's the most awful thing possible because you want them to say, Hey, I saw your newsletter. Great one. Like, and then ask a question or, you know, you're really doing this or something like the fact that somebody could tell what it wasn't her mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> is not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that that's one of the, that could be maybe one of the, uh, a signal um, to some of our CEOs out there is like, are you noticing that people are noticing or that your audience is noticing when it sounds like it's coming from you, the CEO, or when it sounds like it's coming from your, you know, your marketing person, um, or when it's coming from your agency, right? Have people, have you started to notice those things? But what are some, um, when should we as CEOs thinking about um, brand voice, when should we start to prioritize brand voice? Because I'm like, I, you know, and I, I'm, most of the people who listen to our podcast or our, our podcast is really for people who have been in business, um, whether that's, you know, they've, they've started to, you know, really generate some revenue, they're starting to get some momentum, and they're really trying to get to the next level. They're not just starting out. So there's, you know, maybe, I mean, there's, sure, there's people who, who are just starting out who can really get the nuggets. But speaking to that crowd of CEO who you have your business, you're selling some products, you're, you know, you're getting some momentum, you're making it, you know, you're starting to get some consistent revenue, or maybe you have consistent revenue, you want to get to that next level. When should they be considering, um, you know, prioritizing their brand voice? That's such a great question. Um, because I see too many people start to worry about things too early. Mm -hmm. And it's so common, especially in the online space. Um, and so one of the things that I say is that, and your audience probably already has these in place, um, or they're very close to it you need to know exactly who you are and who you aren't, right? There's no more experimentation around what you offer or um, no throwing spaghetti at what your product is or your service. Um, you've figured that out. It's proven. You've sold it and you want to sell more of it. <laughs> so that is the biggest part of it is that you have this stuff already figured out and you just want to do more of it. You want to sell more of it. Um, that's when you can start to think about brand voice, usually around the time also that you're starting to think about marketing on a bigger scale is when you're ready to start thinking about brand voice. So if you're ready to start thinking about hiring specialists for whether it's ads, right, or you're, you're trying to hire a marketing agency um, to hand this stuff over to, that's another good clue that you're ready for uh, brand voice strategy. And the reason I say that is because it's so important to document your brand voice 
so that other people can mirror it and, and take it forward without you, right? So that you can stop being that bottleneck that you referred to. Um, and so as long as you've got a proven product and you know who you are and who you aren't, you also have a good differentiation for um, what separates you from your competitors. Um, and you've also got content out there, right? Like there's nothing for me to, if I can't analyze something, <laughs> there's nothing for me to document either. So, you know, you need to have content out there, whether it's an, e an email list or a blog or social media posts um, or podcast show notes, um, or for a lot of businesses that maybe aren't online yet, or they came online because of the pandemic. And a lot of times there's a um, misfiring between the brand voice that they were using before and the brand voice that they've been experimenting with. So they have the, the proven product and they had that for a long time, but were forced to go online during the pandemic and things are still a little wonky. And that's, that's another time where it can be um, a time to think about brand voice is realigning everything and taking a look at your old brochures and your old um, flyers and, you know, the stuff that you use for in-person networking, uh, presentation slides, uh, all that kind of stuff that um, that goes into brand voice collectively. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, that's such great. That is such great, um, great tips. I love when you mentioned that you're in a place where you're starting to hire specialists, um, because that's really when you know that you're in a place that you're ready to scale is when, let's say you, you as a CEO, you have a marketing, you know, assistant or a marketing coordinator that's helping you with posting on social, sending out the emails, doing all the executor things. If you want to learn more about like having strategists on your team versus executors or when you should hire an agency or whether you should do things in house, take a look at some podcasts, some episodes back. Um, because we, I definitely talked about those things if you want to dive into that a little bit more. But one of the things I mentioned when I talk about having, you know, thinking about your team is that you need executors on your marketing team. And until you get a strategist on your team, the CEO is the strategist. And so yeah. if you're at a place where you're like, I am the CEO, I am, you know, I'm leading my business, I have a team and I need to bring someone on who is a strategist or I need to have someone who is a specialist in, let's say, email marketing because your email marketing is making you a lot of money and you really want to bring someone in who can do it, you know, who, who can do it really well. Or you want to bring in an agency that can take all of that off of your plate because maybe you're doing a high volume of email. That is a signal for you that you need to start to really tighten up your brand voice because what's going to happen is like, as, as Sandy was saying, is that what's going to happen is you're really going to start to, you know, have all your customers having a different experience based on mm -hmm. wherever they, where, wherever they come in contact with you first. Exactly. So like, come into contact with me first, for example, come to come in contact with me on my podcast first. And then they go over to my blog and I'm using words that I've never used in my podcast, or it sounds like it's from a man's perspective or right. you know, anything like that, or it doesn't have, you know, my Stacey isms that I do or, or any of those kinds of things. Right. If you don't, um, you know, start to document those things, you're really going to start to create different experiences for your customers. Mm -hmm. And a confused customer is not someone who's going to buy from you, right? Or confused right. is not going to buy. They want to yep. make sure that the ex whole experience I get from what my ads look like, what the copy says, to the landing page, to you know the webinar that you do, or the or, or to the um, to the, the product um, product descriptions that you have on your site, like 
all of that stuff leads to leads customers further to a sale. And if any and if anywhere in that journey people get confused, like if they're reading copy that sounds like it's from you and from it sounds like it's from somebody else and people are using jargon over here or you're trying to intent, you're trying to mimic a certain language that you have not that you don't actually speak, right? So all yes. of that stuff is are, are things that your customers may not necessarily specifically say to you your brand voice is, is jacked up and that's why I didn't buy, but those are kinds of things that you can kind of hit on to make to, to make it easier and make that path to sale yeah. a lot a lot smoother. Right. And people, you're, you're right. Exactly. People are not going to say, oh, I didn't buy because your brand voice, you know, didn't match up. Yeah. Um, they're they're going to use much different um, terminology than that. But that's what it comes down to. And I like to talk about it in reference of uh, driving in a, in a stick shift. Um, and so let's say you're driving with an inexperienced driver, somebody who's learning how to drive a stick shift. Does anybody drive stick shifts anymore? This is a great I relevant. <laughs> I, I've never learned how to drive a stick shift ever. <laughs> But like I have, a, I have a great a, story from 20 years ago. Um, yeah. But if you think about a stick shift and, and driving and you're going along smoothly and then all of a sudden they try and shift and you get jerked mm-hmm. in the car, right? Like you, and so then they try and shift again, jerk again. And then let's add like some poorly um, maintained roads, got potholes. And then like all of a sudden you're in a neighborhood. And so you've got the stick shift and the potholes and the, the bumps, um, the road bumps to slow you down. And then there's a few stop signs in there as well. And so um, it, every time your brand voice isn't aligned, that's one of those you know potholes or bumps in the road that you hit. And so by the time you get to your destination, everybody's just, they're tired, they're ready to get out of the car. And it's just like, everybody's complaining about it. Like that was the worst car ride ever. I feel like puking. <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. I like, so I understand literally like I don't ever put me in that car with that person again exactly. those people are not going to be happy when they get out of that experience they want to get away as fast as possible yeah but if you've got an automatic car and you're driving on newly paved streets they've taken the stop signs down um everything is well maintained you're there in three minutes you got in the car and you drove smoothly you didn't even have time to even process the journey. You're there before you even knew it. There was nothing, there was no hiccup that came into play um, for you. And so those are the people who get like all the way to the end of your funnel and they click the buy button. It's like the candy bar at the grocery store, right? They click the buy button because it's just it was so easy and so aligned with who they are and there was no hiccups for them. And so, you know, if you are a person who doesn't swear and suddenly in one of your journeys for your customers, you know, you drop, you know, a swear word, um, you're going to cause your audience to jerk suddenly and be like, whoa, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Am I in the right place? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on Stacy's, like the, 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 the Stacy, and then they go back and check. And those are things you don't want to have happen. You, you do not want people to suddenly question where they are in a journey or whose journey they're on. Yeah. That is, that's, that's money right there. Like you don't want people to question whose journey they're on, right? You know, like they want, you want people to make sure that when they're reading anything that you're sending out, they know it's coming from you and they know, yes. and, and people, you know, because people buy into 
a brand, right? They're buying into the story of the brand. They're buying into the, you know, the voice is a part of that story. Like the way you communicate your story is so important, you know, and it has to sound authentic. It has to, you know, really connect with your customers. But at the end of the day, like, you know, people connect to brands, especially like if you're thinking about like, you know, not just, not if you have a personal brand, but you're thinking about an actual company. Like I think about Zappos, like people are, there were people who are very, very connected to the brand. Like people very much believed in the brand. Like, you know, and, and when we're, creating copy, you're creating content and all those kinds of things. It has to be zappy. Like that's, that's the voice. Uh -huh. Zappos is not a very serious brand. Like if we can't, if they were to come out and post, post something where they sounded like they were Amazon, for example, because mm -hmm. Amazon has a very, you know, more serious kind of voice, voice yes. than, than Zappos. And so even though Zappos is owned by Amazon, they have different <laughs> right. Right. Like completely different voices, completely different approaches. Yes. And even the way that they run their businesses are very different. And it yes. also into the culture that, you know, of, of that brand. So like the culture, the brand voice, all of these kinds of things, if you're thinking about becoming a big brand, because that's what I want my audience who people who listen to this podcast, they have a big vision. Like I am, I want to tell y'all the things that you need to know to become very big, not because not to just be like, Oh, well, I, you know, I make, you know, six figures a year and that's it. Right. Like six figures is great. But if you really want to change lives and you really want to get to that next level, you have to be aiming for at least a million. And so I want y'all to understand that it is that, these are the kinds of things that matter along your journey as you're scaling. And so let's talk about, um, give a little bit more context. Let's talk about some brands or some examples of brands that does this very, very well. Yes. Um, so, you know, <laughs> if there's anybody who grew up in our generation, um, you know, they're growing up in the 80s. There's lots of really wonderful examples of companies who were kind of going head to head in the 80s. Um, nothing better than Coke and Pepsi. Mm -hmm. right? You either drink Coke or you drink Pepsi. And boy, when a restaurant doesn't have your drink, it's like meltdown. It's like temper tantrum. Like I'm not going to eat at that restaurant because they have Coke products and I need my Pepsi. Um, and so it's not just brand loyalty to the Coke or Pepsi thing. It, it also extends out to the restaurant and what they serve or what gas stations you stop at because they have your, you know, your Coke or your Pepsi. Um, and so if you take a look at some of the brand voices within those, you know, the advertising that they did, you know, beer in the 80s was the same thing, right? Budweiser, yeah. <laughs> um, their brand voice became the frogs in the 80s and 90s, right? Budweiser. Um, so, <laughs> so, you know, all these things that these brands do create this identity, it's, it's not just the brand voice. It's, it's so much, it's the culture of the company. It's um, the identity of the, of the company and it's the loyalty of the company as well. So I like to compare things like Patagonia. Mm -hmm. If you're somebody who likes outdoor clothing and outdoor experiences, Patagonia is much different than Eddie Bauer, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, Patagonia is out there. Their brand voice has a lot of social context to it, social justice. Um, they are very aware of where their products come from and they want to try and be, become as sustainable as possible. I'm sure Eddie Bauer probably has those, um, that, in, you know, as part of their company as well, but it's not in their brand voice so much. Their brand voice is much more about longevity. You're going to have this coat for a hundred years. It's going to be handed down to your grandson. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to get you through all of these experiences, right? Like you're going to go camping in these harsh conditions and it's going to last. It's going to protect you. So their brand voice is much more like a parent than Patagonia, which is kind of like along for the ride with you um, in a certain way. 
Same with, um, you know, if you think about ice cream and you think about Briars and Ben and Jerry's, mm-hmm. right? Um, the differentiation between the voices that you hear, uh, Ford and Tesla, I mean, come on, Ford <laughs> uh, is very, their brand voice is very male for one thing, right? Although a lot of females love Ford, including me, um, but it definitely has that tough mm-hmm. aspect to it. Mm-hmm. will get you through anything. You can take this into the woods. You can go camping. You can go up these mountains. Um, it's definitely in the toughness factor the and a little bit in the longevity factor. Like a lot of their commercials especially are, you know, your grandpa had a Ford and yeah. your dad had a Ford and now you're going to have a Ford and all that stuff is, is built in. Tesla, though, was much different. They're not thinking about longevity yet. Maybe they will, maybe their brand voice will change over time, but they are about attracting and and they are as a company, their brand voice is much more about innovation Mm -hmm. and what's new. What can we try? What's next? Um, And so they want to attract the kind of people who maybe they're a little bit more risk takers than hopping into, you know, like a Ford um, sedan. Um, But they're also, they're, they're much more on edge, right? Like culturally, Their voice is much more aware of what's going on in society where Ford is looking back. Tesla is looking forward in their brand voice. Yeah. Those are such great examples. I think that, you know, anyone who is building a consumer brand definitely needs to look into those examples. So let me give them to y'all again. So just in case you want to find one that resonates with you, um, it's Coke and Pepsi. Great example. Patagonia and Eddie Bauer, also a great example for more like if you're more of a clothing brand. Um, ben and Jerry's versus Briar, if you're, you know, more like a CPG kind of brand. One brand that sticks out to me that has an amazing brand voice is Fenty Beauty, um, which is Rihanna's line, which Rihanna's makeup line. Um, and not just because I love Fenty, because I do love my Fenty products, <laughs> but I love their voice because, and it's one thing that I feel like I actually noticed it as like a marketer. I like remember following them on Twitter when they first were getting started. And you can just tell by the way that they even tweet that they are very, very much tapped into their community. Like they use the same language that we use. They describe the same kind of looks that we that we do on our makeup, the same kind of way that we describe them. Um, they speak very much to a millennial, um, multicultural kind of person where you care about having a diverse um, range of, of, of foundations and you care about having all these different products, but you also, it also, you know, is Rihanna's voice, right? But if you think about even Rihanna's voice and Fenty's voice, they are different, right? Even though it's owned by the same person, Rihanna's voice is a lot more edgy. It's a lot more, you know, um, you know, not in your face, but it's just, it's a lot more like chill, laid back, but also edgy. Um, Fenty is not really. Fenty speaks to more of a millennial audience, more of a, you know, someone who could also could be very edgy with their makeup, but also could just wear, you know, want to just be on camera for Zoom for make, for, for work. And you could just put that on, right? But it matches mm-hmm. your skin and, and, and that kind of thing. So when you're thinking about taking your brand to the next level and you're thinking about all the things that you want to be known for or that you want to make a staple in, like those are some kinds of things that I think that, you know, especially like if you, you know, when you're starting your own business, that's kind of the fun part. Like you get to create your brand voice. Like you get to create your own character. I mean, you think about the Geico Gecko, right? Like, you know, Geico even has different kind of characters, but they all kind of fit within Geico, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. not completely out of the, out of the ordinary, or even like, if you think about old spice, like old spice uses the same guy or the same, mm-hmm. kind of, same kind of voice, <laughs> you know? And yep. so 
think about like when you're scaling, I challenge our listeners that if you're thinking about as 2023 as the year that you really take your business to the next level, you really want to make a staple um, in the industry that you're in, really start to consider like how can you make sure that as you scale, as you expand, your voice and your brand still remains intact, right? It still it, it still resonates with its core customer. It still resonates with the, who, who you're trying to attract, but it also still feels authentic to you. And it feels like something that you definitely have have given birth to and you and give it and, and allowing your people to maybe, you know, input and, and help it to become what it is, right? Because we can't just do it ourselves. It's not our voice, the CEO, but right. it's a collective voice, but it does come from us. And so I think that we have just had such an amazing conversation about brand voice. And so I want to make sure that Everyone who wants to work on their brand voice, make sure y'all talk. Make sure y'all talk to Sandy. So, Sandy, let us know how people can work with you and where we can get in touch with you if we want to learn more. Absolutely, um, I am online at sandrakwrites.com. K is K A Y E. By the way, it's <laughs> an unusual spelling, but Sandra K K A Y E writes W R I T E S dot com. You can also find me on LinkedIn um, at Sandra K. And I, I post uh, pretty frequently on LinkedIn about brand voice, but also other things, running a business and uh, being an entrepreneur and that kind of thing. Uh, so those are the two primary ways that you can reach me. Um, the way to work with me, I do copywriting. So if you are somebody who is still exploring your brand voice a little bit, um, isn't quite sure what it is or you want to find it, um, I can help with some copywriting and, and try and bring that in for you. Um, whether it's one project or on our ongoing basis, but the primary way to work with me is through brand voice guides, of course, where, where I document and, uh, give your team the, uh, guidelines for how to sound like you. And you know, you, you have such an important point there, which is the difference between talking as the CEO of the company and talking as the company. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I outline in, um, some of my brand voice guides is, you know, if, if, you're talking about the company as a whole and like, this is, you know, we're selling this new thing where we love to do this, but then something happens and the CEO wants to come out and say like, by the way, uh, you know, I want to respond to an industry trend or I want to respond to a catastrophe or, um, or celebration. Um, That's one of the things that I enjoy outlining the most is the difference between the two. So that's what really takes your brand forward. If you're really wanting to elevate in 2023, separating yourself from the brand's voice uh, is such a key and fun part of that because you also get to see what your team can bring to it. And, you know, I always like to say that the brand voice starts out 100% you and, um, and then we get your team involved and they say, well, that's what she thinks is happening, but what's really (laughs) happening. (laughs) I love that. And I hear that so much. So it ends up being 80% of the CEO and 20, maybe 30% of what the team, you know, has laid out. Um, and, and that's such an important point because obviously you don't want to exclude your team from the process or from participating in your brand's voice. Um, and they do have a handle on it on a day-to-day you know, basis that you don't typically. So yeah. a lot of things that we can hash out in there. I love that. Love that. Y'all. So definitely make sure that y'all check out, that y'all check out um, uh, Sandy's website. All of her links will be in our show notes as well. So just scroll on down, make sure to link to her site, link to the LinkedIn um, page and all that kind of good stuff. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Cause again, this has been such a great conversation. Um, this is such a great episode to kick off the year for our CEOs out there. So thank you again. And we will see y'all on the next episode. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Roadmap to One Million podcast. I just know you got a nugget or two from that episode that will take your brand to the next level if you take action. Keyword, take action. So head over to stacyzeal.co slash checklist to get a free resource that will help you to take action on what you learned today so that you can get on to building the brand of your dreams. And be sure to leave us a review so businesses like yours can get this gold as well. All right, y'all. I'll see you on the next episode.